Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast where being negative can be a good thing and being positive can turn the world against you. Hello, I am your host, Miss Jennifer Levon, and this is episode 93, and my son is in the bathroom next door, so um, <laughs> I just didn't feel like waiting anymore. He was taking a shower. Are you done? Okay, hurry up. Oh, he's out. Okay, shut the door. Oh, well, you're not going to stand there. Go. No, just go. So it's been about, uh, I don't know, two weeks. I went back to work, so it's been a little busy and I work from like 6.15 in the morning. I have two jobs. I maybe I've just already talked about this before, but I'm off at 6.15, 7.15 in the morning till 6.15 at night between the two jobs and then pick him up from football. I don't know. And if there's any stops to make, I'm home like at seven. If I want to go to the gym, that's another hour. And I just want to sit and chill for a second, but I get up early. So I want to go to bed by like 930. So there's not a whole lot of extra time. So, but things have been piling up on my notes that I felt I really wanted to talk about. I have so many things I want to talk about and I don't want to make this like the longest freaking episode. Um, I will start by sharing a comment about my last episode, my Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds episode. Um, Jimmy Stock Photo says on YouTube, I really enjoyed the story. I could really imagine it down to every interaction and detail. It also made me feel less ashamed of human and maybe humans and our need to express sexuality. That's just in case my son is in the bathroom still. Um, The whole night sounded like something out of a movie. It like literally felt like that. Um, Also, you have great service. Also, you have maybe a great service you offer to the community. I myself am waiting through a window period, but I find your podcast very comforting. I like your positive attitude. I know it's a pun Um, on life. And like, even if things went that's way. I don't know what they meant. I guess he means like if he was positive, he'd be fine. Thank you for serving as an inspiration and just being a beautiful human being. Thank you so much, Jimmy Stock Photo. I will say that um, I didn't have any negative comments about my uh, me dropping acid episode. Um, Nobody said anything bad. Like um, I didn't get like in trouble with, you know, where I work, (laughs) nothing, nothing happened. So, um, and nobody, you know, said anything bad. In fact, everybody was really supportive and, um, were like sharing stories with me and DMS, you know, like, Oh, I've never done that, but I really want to try it sometime. I've tried this or whatever. Like, um, but everybody said, basically it sounded like a blast and they were really, um, glad that I shared the experience. So it was like, it's funny. Cause I think there's this stigma about doing that. Um, you know, LSD and uh, or drugs in general. Um, And of course, you know, you don't want to mess with anything that would be a possibility of having fentanyl involved. Um, And this I wasn't concerned because he knew where it was coming from. And I don't think it that ends up on those little paper squares. I think that's like those are two very separate things. So um, I wasn't worried about that. Um, So but obviously, there's other drugs that you would not want to be messing with because that could be a possibility ability and uh fentanyl's incredibly deadly so um this i felt safe with and so i did it i did it i don't know that i'll ever do it again but i did it once and i'm glad and my stepbrother wrote to me it was so funny he said he listens to the podcast hi john and i hope you don't mind that i'm sharing your story that you told me no one will ever know who you are so don't worry about it but he was saying that he had done it back when he was 15 Um, my dad is married to his mom and I said oh my god did you know what happened so he said what happened was is they took the square and it was him and some friends after school one day and they took the square and then they waited like a half an hour and nothing had happened because it takes longer than a half an hour it takes a good 45 minutes to an hour so they took another one they took two and he said by the time they had both, he said it started to kick in and then the other one kicked in and he said, this is what happened. Our, his mom, my stepmom called and said they were going to pick him up because they were going to Chuck E. Cheese with his younger brother. And so they wanted to pick him up to bring him. So I guess he was at Chuck E. Cheese on two doses of LSD. Can you even imagine? Like, 
from you know what you hear the stories if you've done it you know if you know kind of about what happens and seeing like crazy shit can you imagine being in Chuck E. Cheese and being on two doses of LSD so he said he started to freak out and he had to like tell his mom what he'd done and I guess they called my older brother Brian who is like you know rocker hi Brian Brian listens to this too uh Brian's I'm sure done LSD I don't know if I've ever even talked to Brian about Brian doing that before I don't think I've ever asked my brother if he's done that I'm assuming he probably has but um I mean, my brother definitely has done drugs, but um, so they called him for some advice. <laughs> Apparently Robin called him, sorry, my stepmother Robin called him for some advice. Um, and then John said that he uh, stayed away from it or any kind of drugs for like a long time. So anyways, I thought that was kind of a funny story. Um, but yeah, thanks for everybody for being so nice about that. Um, okay, uh, let's see. I'm going to check off things so I sometimes I'll like I'll look at my notes and I'll be like I had that written down why didn't I talk about that Jeez. um okay so I had somebody reach out to me the other day oh before I move on because I keep hearing the ticking do you want to see one of the grossest things by the way I was showing my YouTube family uh because if you're listening to this you can also watch this on YouTube if you go to my channel at pause p-o-z-l-e-i-g-h I think you can still look up my full name and find it. I don't even want to say what it is because I want my full name, my real legal name, disassociated with HIV on the internet. So I'm not going to say my full name. But anyways, uh, I had said to my YouTube family that uh, I've got my Niners sweatshirt behind me because it's football season and I am a loyal Niners fan. Um, anyways, there is something that sits around my house and I put things in it every single day and I continue to grow this bag of um, this is, if you are watching on YouTube, you can see this is a big, like a Ziploc bag, the um, the bigger size one. I think it's a freezer bag. What is in here is a load of cat fur. And what's also in here is a bunch of dead and live fleas. So I have this flea comb. This is disgusting. How disgusting is this? So it's sitting here. It's going tick, 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 tick because there's fleas jumping inside. And um, this is how I handle my flea problem with my cats. So during the summer, we get a lot of fleas. I think they come from outside around the perimeter of the house. They get on one cat and then they get on the other three. Because this one, in, there's one in here right now. If you can see, that's Olive. What are you, what are you doing? Oh, she's making bread or scratching my weights. I just, anyways, there's been problems with cats peeing in here. I'm going to open this door. They like to, she likes to pee on the carpet. Okay. So anyways, um, so that cat has fleas because of the outside cats coming in and then they hop on her and then flea get flea. Finn gets like three fleas on him and he chews himself raw. So I have to go through him every day and pick like two or three off. Um, I know all about, don't even start with me. Don't send me the messages about frontline or any of that treatment. It does not work. Uh, my mom just gave me uh, two packs, uh, like with four in it each, a frontline, and I gave it to the cats one month apart. So I gave them flea treatment for two months, and they still have fleas, tons of fleas. So these fleas have outsmarted frontline. They have a big f u to frontline. They don't care. The only thing that works is. I can't remember the name of it. Um, I want to say that it is a liquid, but you have to get a prescription from a vet, and it's like eighty bucks. And it was like bar. Bargetto? No, that's a wine. It's, I don't know, maybe it started with an S. I can't remember, but I remember that it cost like $80 and it worked. It was the one and only thing that's really only ever worked for my pets. But I'm too cheap to take my vets or my vets, my pets to the vet um, and spend 80 bucks on each one for flea treatment. Although it did last a long time. It lasted longer than six months. But this is just a bad time of year because it's like really warm here right now and the fleas are. Um, at an all-time high. So anyways, I go through the pets pretty much every day to every other day, and I collect fleas in the flea comb, and I just, you know, grab the fur, and the fleas are in there, and I just drop it in the bag and zip it up, and I just got some fur off there, and it's freaking disgusting, and sometimes I leave this on, let's see if you can hear it in the microphone. Maybe they're all sleeping right now. I can't even tell you how many fleas are in here. It's so disgusting. So this is dog and three cats. Uh, three. Yeah, because Toby 
he doesn't have fleas on him, even though he lives outside. He never has one on him. So anyways, um, yeah, it's Benny Olive and Skye's. Skye gets the most. He has like this black patch of fur on the back. He's mostly a white cat, but he has this black patch of fur on the back of his neck. I come through that and I cannot tell you how much flea dirt and fleas, live fleas come out of that spot. It's disgusting. It's so gross. Anyways, um, sometimes I forget and I leave this on the counter and Owen's like eating. He's like, this is the most disgusting thing. And I forget, like, I don't think about it, but it really is so gross. You know, you, you know, we all have like those things that there's like something that you do that you don't realize that probably most people don't do, but it's so normal to you. But to other people, if they saw it, they'd be like completely disgusted. Um, yeah, so that's my flea bag. Okay. Um, so, oh, and speaking of animals today, um, so yesterday I was driving home from work because during my lunch break, I come home and I walk my dog and then I make my lunch to bring it to my second job. I don't like to make it in the morning because then by the time I eat it, it's just too much later. So I do it at in between. It's, it's a long story. But anyways, I'll come back for a break. So I had come home and I passed my second. Well, anyways, let's just say I passed. Well, the school that I go to, the second school that I go to um, in the day and all was fine and well. And then I went back to my other job and then I went back to my other school two hours later and there was a dead raccoon in the road right by that school. So it had happened in those two hours from when I had come home to when I went back to that second job. So it came out of the me the median because there's like this median with like trees and some bushes and stuff. So he was really cute. He was very small. I'd say, you know, well, actually he was more like this big actually. Um, because today I had had it. I'd driven by him for the last, I don't know, like, I think this happened yesterday. So it'd been over 24 hours and I saw the people that manage and maintain the foliage, you know, it's the city, um, pull over into this alcove. Like it's like a turnout right there where the raccoon was today when I went home from my lunch and I thought, oh, they'll handle it because isn't, don't they handle shit like that? I don't know. They're the, they're like Watsonville County. I don't know. They maintain all the foliage. So anyways, I come home tonight. Um, I'm driving Owen home and it's still there. I'm like, I've had it. I cannot handle this. Like how many kids have driven by this poor little sad dead raccoon? So I pull over. I tell Owen, if I have a bag in the car, I'm going to move it. So thankfully I had a bag in the car. I picked it up by its tail and oh my God, like the the guts were dr hanging out of it. Like the, um, I didn't know that until I picked it up, but, um, they were dripping out like the intestines and stuff. And then there's a slough right there. Um, it's just basically where a lot of wild animals live. So I just kind of threw him in there cause you know, ashes to ashes, something else will eat him. But it just made me sad to see this poor little guy in the road. And I mean, I know I always have to remember that if something is dead in the road, a wild animal, you have to know that that thing didn't feel a thing because if they're injured and scared, they're going to run and you're not going to see them in the road. So if they're on the road, that's kind of a good sign that their trauma probably was very little and they don't, they didn't feel much because otherwise they would have run, right? I always try to think that way because I hate seeing dead animals in the road. It really bums me out. So I took care of the dead raccoon and because no one else was, but yeah, I've done that many times. Skunks and stuff like that. Okay. Raccoon story done. Um, one funny little thing. So a couple little things with my new job. There's a little girl in the morning named Gigi and, um, no, I'm not giving anything away by saying her name's Gigi, but anyways, she sits with me and we do one-on-one -on -one work and I, she's probably like seven and I drink coffee in the morning. That's part of my routine. I always have my coffee with a little bit of creamer in it. And I basically, that's all I have until I go home at like 1130. And then I have a little bit of breakfast. That's kind of my routine. So anyways, I guess, I guess I have coffee breath. I don't know. And I know when I was younger, I would smell coffee breath on older people. And I thought it was disgusting. Like I thought it was pretty much the worst breath anybody could ever have. So I don't ever want to think that I have coffee breath. I don't, you know, I've, all I remember is that there was a distinct, disgusting breath that older people would have. And it was associated with coffee. So anyways, she says, she says every single day to me, we'll be doing our one-on-one -on -one work. You know, she's sitting across the table from me like a good, I don't know, 
two and a half, three feet, probably three feet. And she'll kind of like just all of a sudden, well, I'll be asking her questions about this and that. Like, can you answer that? We, we do we do math and like English and stuff. And she'll just kind of lay her head on the table and she'll, she does this every day. She goes, when does it smell like coffee? <laughs> she does that every day. I'm like, because Gigi, I drink coffee. I'm like, so, but no, what do I tell her? I tell her it's because the coffee's sitting right there, but it has a lid on it. So I just tell her it's because, you know, because the coffee's sitting right there and it, it probably smells and I'm realizing it's probably my breath. So now I've uh, gone and bought mint gum so that when she comes in, I can chew that prior to her coming in so that she doesn't smell coffee breath on her teacher because that's I don't know. She's sweet about it, but it's like every single day we have this routine. Why does it smell like coffee? <laughs> like, you know why, and I know why, okay? Stop bringing it up. Okay, another thing about the new job, um, they want me to fill out this emergency health card, um, you know, contact card, whatever. So I put like, who would I want somebody who would I want the school to contact if there's something happened to me, which I understand, of course, I'm going to put that down. But then it asks for medical information. It wants to know if I have any uh, medical um, issues, I think was the word it used, medical issues, um, medical complications. No, it said issues, I think. Um, and then my medications, I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, I am not putting that down. Like, I'm not going to put that I have HIV or that I take Devato. Like, this is absolutely nobody's business about that. And I feel like, you know, if anything, just put down your doctor's name. And then if there's something that they need to call my doctor for, then they can find out whatever through that. But I'm not, no, I'm not. This would be going to the office manager. I like, it's like this lady that I know now, like, so what? So like, she can have my HIPAA information? Like, this is literally breaking HIPAA. And then my medical information, I should say, but it's breaking HIPAA. Like, that is literally like uh, the definition. Like, this is not their business. So I think it's really strange. They made the form up themselves because it literally, and it said something about, you know, signing it at the bottom and something about authorizing. And it was spelled a-U-T-H-O, Otho, R-I, no, there was no R. It just said Otho eyes. Author, oh my God, did I get that wrong? No, it, did, it, it didn't say authorized. There was an R missing for sure. Otho eyes. Anyways, it was missing a letter. And so you could tell that somebody had just written this up and they were asking for contact info. And, and again, the contact info is fine, but my medical information isn't. And so I put that on my Instagram story today and somebody said, wrote to me and said, well, like, doesn't everybody know already? Like, why do people think that I, that's that kind of blows my mind? Like, you really think there's like, there's so many people in our district, like thousands and thousands, you really think like, there's like a message going around telling everybody that I have HIV? No, nobody gives a crap. Nobody has, everybody's busy with their own lives. So anyways, yeah, of course, there's some people that know because uh, when I first put out my videos and YouTube was promoting my videos more. Some people found out I was more like, I think I would probably bring it up more uh, just to educate people because I felt like such a warrior at the time. And I don't feel that way anymore. It's like, to me, it's just, it's boring, honestly. And I don't want to um, come across as like a snowflake. Like I have HIV. Let me tell you all about it. I just don't, it's nobody's business. Nobody needs to know. And, um, I, and I also don't want anybody knowing that I work with at this school. Cause I'll be the, at this particular position until um, Christmas break. Um, I just don't want people looking at me differently or, you know, is she going to be a sick person? Do we have to worry about if she gets COVID? You know, oh, is she going to like just die on us? You know, I don't, people aren't educated on HIV. You know, I don't want them worrying about me thinking I'm contagious in some freaking weird way. Um, yeah, it's just, just better that it's just nobody's business. So yeah, I didn't add it to the card. I left it. I said, not applicable or no, I have none there. I'm fine. There's nothing going on with me. So anyways, um, I had somebody reach out to me with a fake account. So there's no picture. The name on the account was just a bunch of gibberish. It was like letters and numbers or something. It just, I, maybe it's just a bunch of letters, but it didn't, it wasn't a name or anything. 
and they shared with me that they were they'd been diagnosed like a year ago they wanted to thank me for being open about it and all that um, and then they asked you know and they kind of said like how it had been affecting them and that they're doing better now but um, mentally basically but then they'd asked for me to please not share even there because a lot of times I will screenshot messages and then I'll zoom them out on my Instagram story so you can't see who wrote it right it's just the words that's it it's just words um, but they asked for me not even to do that so this is this blows my mind so this is a fake account that they don't even want me sharing they're just the words they typed like I would have zoomed out the part that even had the gibberish letters for the name of the account or the picture or whatever. Like I wouldn't even show any of that. It just would have been the typed message, which had no identifying information at all. But that, my point is, is that is how scared people are of somebody finding out their status. Like they couldn't be more anonymous. Like they're, it's incredible. I don't even know who this person is. I have no idea. I have no way of like figuring out who sent me this. You know, there's like no way. So I made a TikTok about it and I, it annoys me that people don't understand what I'm talking about. They're like, they'll watch the TikTok. I was very clear that it was an anonymous account and they'll say, oh yeah, well, of course they don't want you to talk about them because you know they're worried about losing their job. I'm like, they were anonymous. They, how would anybody, I don't even know who they are. How would anybody know who they were by me sharing that they were thankful that I've, you know, talked about having HIV? Like, <laughs> it just annoyed me. I I definitely um, am hormonal right now because everything is annoying the shit out of me, um, including, oh my God, listen to what happened at Target today. I think I said everything I wanted to say about that. Um, so I am in Target in line to get my Devado, um, ironically. And um, I, well, first of all, it was weird. I was on the phone with Ryan. She calls me, my daughter. I didn't realize she was actually in the parking lot of Target Joey was inside of Target. So I'm on the phone with Ryan and I walk in and there's Joey talking to two people. I'm like, oh my God, hi. Like I've got Ryan in my ear. My daughter Joey's right in front of me. So I'm like, hi, um, which none of this is that surprising because like we live in a pretty small town and everybody goes to Target. So Joey walks over with me to the pharmacy and I am on the phone with Ryan still, but you know, not obnoxiously. I'm just like, you know, hey, I'm with your sister and you know, I'm going to get in line. I have a prescription and pick up. So I'm talking to Ryan, uh, you know, not in a loud tone in any way. So Joey and I get in line. There's about three people ahead of me. And this lady in scrubs, a little older than me, um, looks tired. I'll say that. I must say that. Um, she looked a little tired from her day and she's a little cranky apparently. So she gets in front of me and it's really clear that I'm in line. So I said, um, I'm in line. Like I said, oh, I'm in line. That's why I said, oh, I'm in line. Like if you hadn't noticed, like I'm literally standing in line. So she doesn't, not any like, oh, sorry, I didn't notice. Not that at all. She walks behind me, but hesitates for a second, walks behind me. And then I hear something about, I'm still on the phone with Ryan. I hear her say something about being on the phone and being in line. And I'm like, um, are you kidding me? Like everybody's on the phone everywhere we go. Like there's, and, and I'm looking around going, are there any signs? There's not one sign in, when you're in line for the pharmacy that says you can't be on your phone. The DMV says that, but not Target pharmacy line. They don't give a shit. So I'm now I'm completely consumed by this lady standing behind me. And so I can't even talk to Ryan anymore. I'm like being really quiet because I feel like if she's bold enough to like mutter that out loud behind me, like she's going to say something else if I'm on the phone with Ryan. So I tell Ryan I'm going to go and I'll call her back when I'm done. So I get off the phone and of course that part of the conversation was super quiet because now I'm aware of this woman being mad about me being on the phone, which is like weird. So I stand in line, I get the next two people go and then I go up, I get my Devado and I have to pass her to leave. So as I turn around to leave, because she's first in line now, she is glaring, <laughs> she's glaring at me. <laughs> really? So I do not break eye contact with this bitch. I'm like, I'm ready to fight her. I kid you not. I do not know what came over me, but I was ready to fight with her. So I'm passing her and I'm looking at her like with my head cocked, like, are you kidding? 
And so I keep walking and she's got her head kind of like, she's kind of got her, like her face turned down, but she's looking up at me. Her mouth is pierced and she looks pissed with a capital P. I do not know what crawled up her ass and died. She was in a foul mood, clearly. Maybe something happened at work. But anyways, so as I'm about to pass her, I'm continuing to turn my head as I'm walking to look at her like I did not break eye contact. I'm so proud of myself. And then she gets called up. So she breaks the eye contact because she's going to go up to the pharmacist. So I kind of let out a... <laughs> okay like like a laugh no one else is getting what's happening but it was intense I mean I don't fight women but I swear to god I told Owen if she like said something I was gonna say are you are you good are you okay like what is your problem like I was gonna say something to that effect like uh why are you staring at me like what's the problem you know I was so close to saying that in fact I'm a little disappointed I didn't get to but anyways she um I can check this off my list now. It says target bitch. There we go. So um, I don't I don't know what came over this woman, but she was um, very unhappy. Maybe she doesn't like my blonde hair. I Maybe that's it. Um, hold on. I have like... Uh, okay, I had like... I don't want to say, but I had crap in my throat and I was like, it was like bugging me. I had to like clear it. Okay. I did that without even making a noise. Perfect. Okay. I am watching on Netflix many things. Um, uh down for love, I think is great. This is the dating show for um, singles who have Down syndrome. The one thing that I take away from it is that none of them have an the possibility, it seems like, of getting like an ick from somebody. They are all so damn accepting of everybody. It is so pure and, and so sweet and I love it. I wish we could all be like this. It is so precious. I love watching them. I think that the way that they handle their dates and how sweet they are to like strangers, you know, to the other date um, is really lovely, honestly. And it's, it should teach people like we're all kind of a bunch of assholes. I swear to God, um, people with Down syndrome are really, I mean, I know they say special and all that, but really they truly are. And I do love working with um, kids with Down syndrome for that reason. They just, they do see the world differently and I love it. And, um, you know, these, they're adults, you know, so I would say like the girl, like there was a girl, her name's, um, she was in the movie Poppy. I mean, it's the actress who played Poppy. She's so sweet. I think they're all from, um, Australia. I'm pretty sure they're all, cause they all have, yeah, it's Australia. Um, she, you know, she, like she could be my friend. Like, I mean, I don't see like how her intelligence, intelligent level, intelligence level is that much lower than mine. I mean, she's like, seems like a down to earth, really sweet girl. She seems smart and like quite normal, honestly. Um, the, I'd say the guys seem like they're a little intellectually, intellectually less than like her. And there was another girl, I'm not remembering the other one as much, but they're so sweet. Like, you know, they say like, you know, um, would you like to dance or would you like to dance? Oh, I love to dance. Would you like to dance? I would love to dance. Like, I mean, this is how everything's handled. It's just like, ask a question and the response is always very positive and very sweet and like always a yes. It's like, <laughs> and then it's like, how did the date go? And then sometimes there's some awkward silence and you always think, oh, it's, maybe it, it's not going that well for them. And then they interview them after and they're like, what did you think of your date? And they're like, I thought he was amazing. I am in love. Like they go from like meeting somebody to like falling in love overnight. It's, and it's fine. You know, it's fine. Nobody gets the ick at all. People think that, uh, you know, the opposite person that they're dating is super happy about that person falling in love with them like immediately. I mean, it's, it's so different and I uh, just like it. It's so refreshing. Um, I'm also watching The Ultimatum, which is a bunch of couples that um, have one of the, one of, so it's like, I don't know, five couples, maybe six couples. Um, one of the people in the pair have decided to give their partner an ultimatum to get married or move on. So it's an experiment where they basically get to date the other couples, everybody, they, and they, you know, they go and date around. So they go on these 
I'm quoting dates um, where they're being just filmed in like a big room basically or around a pool and they're like meeting people. They're having like speed dating almost with the other. So if like I had, let's say I was with somebody who wasn't wanting to marry me and I was getting frustrated, I'd say, I'm going to give you the ultimatum. Let's go on this show. And you sign millions of paper, you know, millions of, uh, what, what do you call it? Um, you sign your life away basically. Um, and then you go on the show and then I and my boyfriend basically get to go out with the other like I get to go out with all the other guys that are on this show and then my boyfriend would get to go out with all the other girls and then you have a big get together and you pick which one you want to spend your quote-unquote married time with and then you get to be in an apartment with this person and you know, sometimes uh, to be um, respectful of their partner that they're not with, who they're not supposed to have any contact with for a period of, I don't know, like three weeks, um, sometimes the, the, like, maybe they feel bad, so they won't sleep in the same bed as the person, but sometimes people are hooking up, and so, and then after they're deciding whether they want to be with that person or not, and it's all kind of crazy, and then there's the big ultimatum moment where they come together, and the, they're filming them in some beautiful location, and it looks like it's going to be, it's all set up to look like a wedding proposal, but you don't know, is that person going to actually say no? Um, is Are they going to ask that person to marry them in the end, and is that person going to say yes or change their mind? Like, so you, there's all these different scenarios. Um, and anyways, it was the first eight episodes were great. The first two were crazy. I just saw a TikTok on somebody explaining it. Um, because one of the couples had to leave the show uh, a little bit of a spoiler here. But um, the girl who was going batshit crazy because her man was talking to another woman, which was like, she's signed up for the show, like she wanted this because she wanted him to ask her to marry her. So she can't get pissed off that he's going and talking to other women because like she signed up for the damn show. She gets to talk to other men. Anyways, she lost her shit and the parking lot and everything. So anyways, she ends up pregnant. And so they had to leave the show. So they actually, that was like the, some people thought that she made that up just to get him off the show because she was so jealous. Um, but anyways, she has a kid. I guess they have a kid now, a four month old kid. They're still not married, but uh, she got a baby from him. So um, sounds like a goddamn nightmare, honestly. But um, anyways, it's a good show and I'm waiting for the rest of the couples. All of the experiment has already happened. They've already had their trial marriages with the other couple people or the other people that they picked and now they've had their and then they go back to their original boyfriend or girlfriend and then they live with them for three weeks and usually that's just kind of like a big like I don't know, like they either get like really sad about the time that they didn't have with their person and like, did you connect with the other person more than you connect with me? You know, there's a lot of that or it's like um, they realize like, God, I'm worth a lot more and you're not giving to me. I'm out of here, you know, so it's interesting to see how they handle it. I mean, it's reality TV. How much of this is even real? I don't know. I mean, I guess it is real because I watched the queer queer edition and those girls were all over TikTok after after talking about it and it sounded like it was pretty damn real um so anyways they are gonna have uh tomorrow they're releasing the final two episodes and we'll see who stayed together who proposed and who walked um off and um went their separate ways so that's a good show too i highly recommend either of those down for love or the ultimatum okay um speaking of uh, God, I don't know if I want to get into the Maui fires. I don't know if I can deal. Uh, okay, I'm just going to say really quick because I've been absolutely crazy consumed with the Maui fires. Okay, I've been to Maui at, I think, six times. Of course, every time you go to Maui, um, I mean, I've stayed in Kihei, but typically we stay in Kanapali area. And of course, always visit Lahaina. It's two miles away. So um, watching those fires and like, I remember when I first saw that Front Street had burnt down, I I couldn't believe it. It was such an absolute shock. Like I had just been there on my honeymoon in 2019 and eaten at Cheeseburgers in Paradise. Like we went like two nights in a row um, and we would go down and get ice cream right after. I mean, we were down. I mean, I was like, he had, he had never been there, my ex. And so I was like, yeah, of course we got to go to Lahaina. You got to go. We have to have dinner down there. And I have a picture of my view from my our window you know you're like sitting um with it's like open you know you sit there you're inside the restaurant but it's an open you know it's like you're almost like on a deck so I took a picture I have a picture of that like looking out the window at the ocean it's right there um yeah so that was my first initial um shock with it obviously was like this personal 
gut-wrenching, oh my God, my Lahaina's gone. You know, what about the banyan tree? Oh my God, did it survive? Like, these are my first thoughts. Like, I, you know, those, those types of thoughts, right? Because this was a place that I have visited and I know it very well. You know, it's like they show it on the news and you're like, I know exactly where that is. Like, it's like, I mean, if you've been to Lahaina, you know, this isn't like a big town. It's very small. So, you know, every inch of it basically. And it's incredibly shocking because we all have this like, well, of course, what do we feel when we think about Lahaina? It's all good feelings. It's beautiful there. The weather's always beautiful. It's, you know, it's tropical. It's just meant to feel good when you go there. So to think that this spot is now in, in ashes and it burnt down is horrible. And then and then we start watching, uh, well, for me, it's TikTok. That's where I get my news because to tell you the truth, I don't trust uh, mainstream news. I go with firsthand accounts um, and footage that people have actually taken with their phones and they're speaking their firsthand accounts, which I feel like is way more powerful than what the news wants to give us. So I do get my news from TikTok in regards to something like this. And so, um, yeah, I start finding out that, um, well you know, we find out that a bunch of children had been sent home from school that day because of hurricane type conditions. I, there was no rain. It was just wind, not just there was, it was heavy wind. So all these kids had been sent home from school. Um, and there were no sirens. So Maui, Hawaii, and, uh, like all of the islands are known for their siren systems as most people know for the, the tsunami warnings. Right. Um, but I, you know, there's been like, they weren't used at all. And I don't think that they, uh, any kind of electricity is needed for them. I'm not sure how they work, but, um, although the electricity was on still, but anyways, they could have been used, but they, they neglected to use them. Um, and the guy who was in charge of that basically said, well, it would have been confusing to people because people in Maui have been trained. Although I've seen locals talk about this on their TikToks. They're like, uh, we've had no training. There's like no course that we take for this. They've been trained, he said, to go uphill if there were a tsunami. And so if we had the sirens go off, they would have run towards the fire. Well, I think, you know, instinct would tell them otherwise that that would not be the right direction to go. But regardless, what have we found out since? We found out that Front Street was barricaded, so people couldn't get out. So there was police barricades. Front Street runs along the ocean. It's where all of the restaurants are and the shops. So people that went down to Front Street where they were directed to go got stuck and couldn't move any further. And so unless they broke the law and drove past the barricades or on the basically the wrong side of the road, um, their cars were stuck and they had the choice of staying and burning to death in their cars or jumping in the ocean. Unfortunately, a lot of people were hearing that jumped in the ocean didn't survive because, you know, you've got um, the fumes and the flames that are are coming over the ocean or right over the ocean. It's sucking the oxygen out of the air so people aren't able to breathe while there's smoke. You know, there's just a lack of oxygen in general. Um, people were also, from what I've heard, um, couldn't tread the water. They were in the water for hours. Those that had, like, there was somebody some family that were they were floating holding onto a door that was in the water um there's yeah there's really some just horrific footage obviously of um horrific footage of my alarm just went off on my phone i hate that it cuts my my editing, or it messes up my editing. Now I have to edit this video or put the two pieces together. Otherwise I could just up upload this straight to YouTube. But since there's two pieces now, because the, my alarm just stopped my recording, I have two pieces of video now. <laughs> oh, well, it's okay. Anyways. Um, so yeah, um, really horrific images of like, there was a Rottweiler. I, how am I ever going to get this out of my head? A charred Rottweiler on Front Street. Dead. I mean, so of course the numbers are super low as far as like how many have died. It's stayed like a very stagnant 115 for like the last week that, but apparently there's like 
easily over a thousand missing. And why is this happening? Like what is happening? I know there's a ton of conspiracy theories about it and it's crazy. Like, I mean, this land is very, very valuable and the people that live on it are, you know, there's like, uh, Hawaiian blood on this land. This is like their land. This is where their heritage comes from. And they don't want to give this land up for um, big real estate. And so there's talk that this was done on purpose to um, make the land available to, you know, people who have a lot of money who want to use it in a different way, because these people were not giving up their land. So there's that because I know on TikTok they said the people that were affected, all these homes that burnt down, that they had realtors contacting them within days asking if they'd take a check for their land. Um, and as everybody knows, Biden has only given $700 to each family. Like, what? Are you kidding? Like, what is what is this? What is happening? And you all know the whole thing that everyone says. I mean, you're giving billions to the Ukraine, but you gave $700 each to the families in Maui? What? Like, they're part of the United States. Um, so, yeah, and Oprah made a, you know, made herself known down in the the shelters, like, pretty much the next day. Like, she's ridiculous. Like, just, Oprah, go the fuck away. Are you kidding me? With all of her money, she owns, like, 800 acres of land in Maui. Of course, her place was untouched. None of her land was burned. And she's down there passing out water. Like, she was all proud of herself, getting herself filmed around, walking around, meeting these people who had lost family, maybe their children, and she's going and shaking their hands. Again, Oprah, get the fuck out of Maui. Like, nobody wants you around. She, she was all proud of herself that she brought sheets. Like, they don't even have beds. What do they need sheets for? And pillows and diapers and shampoo. How are they shampooing their hair? They don't even have showers. Thankfully, most of these people um, are now in the hotels in Kanapali. So Kanapali is still kind of like off. Uh, uh, we, we shouldn't be visiting Kanapali is what I'm trying to say. Obviously, Lahaina, we can't visit. Um, yeah, the whole thing's horrific. I just, I can't even imagine uh, anybody burning to death. It's, I think it has to be the worst way to die. And they're, you know, we know these numbers are going to get way higher, but for whatever reason, the, uh, police chief of Maui says, you know, they have to wait for DNA to match up, you know, with family members of whatever's left of the people that they find. Ugh. And you know, this police chief is also the coroner of Maui of or Lion or whatever. He's the coroner. He's the head coroner. Like what? This is a huge conflict of interest. I, I mean, talk about hiding information and evidence. So I don't know. I've heard stuff about that. There's bodies in a freezer, like in a truck somewhere that there was bodies in the water. Uh, there's a lot that hasn't been accounted for And now the national guard and the military have fenced off most of Lahaina and they're keeping these quote unquote dust fences up while they go through and find bodies basically or whatever's left of bodies um this by the way this police chief is the same one who was in charge of uh los and las vegas police uh when the shootings happened in vegas during that concert so there's a lot of weird shit um weird weird stuff so yeah no sirens uh the water was shut off nobody could fight the fires like what there was also like some really weird stuff about like metal melting, aluminum melting off tires. You can see it in the videos where you see like metal running down the street like it's liquid, you know. Um, and from what people are saying online, it would take like, I don't know, it's a really high temperature. It's something like 3000 degrees or something like that for uh, metal to melt like that but it doesn't make sense that this fire would get that hot. So of course, then there's talk about direct energy weapons from the sky, basically, which do exist. They definitely do. I looked it up. They, they exist. Um, and it's interesting because I looked up, when I did look up direct energy weapons, it said 
it was like July 31st um, of this year. So the, the fires happened on August 8th. So one week before that, um, oh, it's in Palo Alto. I gotta, I gotta look up the name of the place. Lockheed Martin. I'm not going to look it up. That was it. Lockheed Martin had announced a new one that they were going, it was like a prototype or they were going to announce it or something, but there was a new one that they were wanting people to know about that they were going to announce a new direct energy weapon. And how ironic that, uh, the Maui fires, I'm not saying it's related, but the Maui fire fires happened a week later. And then, you know, there, I guess apparently there had been talk about, uh, Lahaina becoming a smart city, um, prior to the fires. So a lot of weird things, Jeff Bezos's house, like all these billionaires that live on Maui that happen to own a lot of acreage. None of their houses were affected. It's, it seems like it was a very specific area. Um, yeah, there's some weird, weird stuff. And I hope that they can get to the bottom of it, the people of Lahaina, and I really hope that they get their their land back and they get to build on it and live where they want to live again. And I just hope that this doesn't turn into some big, you know, um, resort area because that's not what Lahaina was. It was like like one stories, two stories, you know, homes that were uh, well, and then of course Front Street, which is. It's like a cannery row in Monterey, but on, even on a little bit of a smaller scale. Um, it was quaint and it was sweet. And um, I hope that that, I hope that we don't lose that. And then there's that feeling of like, oh, I had this other thing is that this woman had come on and said, you know, stay the fuck away from Maui. Don't come because people were still snorkeling like the next day, like two or three days later. And people are of you know, Lahaina were like, you're literally snorkeling in the same water that they're finding bodies in right now. Like, what are you doing? Like, get out of Lahaina or get out of Maui. Like, if you're traveling here, you need to go home. So, and then they talked about like how Lahaina or Maui was acquired originally. And there was a queen and Kamehameha, I think, and that she was held at gunpoint and basically made to give her land up or they, they would have killed her people. So she had to give her land up. So the story is basically not the story, but it's the truth um, from the people that live in Maui that this, this is their heritage, that they didn't ever want this to be part of the United States. They didn't want Hawaii to be part of the United States. So then I felt guilty for all the trips I'd taken there thinking, oh my God, I'm just a stupid tourist and I'm like on their land and you know, taking my pictures and acting like an idiot. And I felt really bad about it. And I was like, God, I feel stupid for ever going. I feel guilty for even thinking I should even feel bad that my memories there are taken now because it's gone. Um, but then like the, it's kind of changed in the last three weeks and they're saying, Hey, you know, um, like 80% of our income, although none of us truly not, not none of us, but I would say a lot of them don't want to have to depend on tourism to survive there, but it is how most survive and barely survive because it's very expensive to live there and they don't make that much money. So they're basically saying, please come back to Maui, but stay in Kihei or, you know, Paia or wherever state, but not on obviously Kanapali at the moment um, isn't available. And, Kapalua, I think, which is just north of Kanapali, is probably open. I'm not sure. They just basically stay, say stay away from West Maui at the moment, which is hard because that's like exactly where I would want to be. Not Lahaina, but I would want to be on Kanapali. So I've kind of like been back and forth, like, should I plan a trip? Like just to help the economy? Because they're saying, you know, they're not, the people that have their jobs there that weren't affected, like their homes weren't burnt, they don't have jobs at the moment. Like there's no, it's not like COVID where the government was giving them money to help them in the meantime, that there's no income. So there's all of these people that work, there's a ghost town. It's an absolute ghost town. So there's hotels that are completely, they're only filled with people that have lost their homes in Lahaina, but there's no tourism. So the beaches are empty, you know, no one's spending money in Maui, the planes are empty, um, and it's going to hurt a lot of people in the long run if there's no one going to Maui. So um, I want to be supportive of any way I can. Um, and maybe that means taking a trip there. But I, it's so sad, too. It's like I feel sad for all of the um, 
just all of the, you know, what's happened, the tragedy of it all. It's, um, and I think anybody that goes there is going to feel that for sure. I don't know. I just like, it's so unimaginable to think of all these kids that were home alone that died. I just, it, or anybody, any, any of them, there's elderly too. And all that, I mean, of course, you know me, I can hardly even fathom thinking about an animal burning to death. Like it just makes me sick. You know, it's like the kind of thing that keeps me from going to sleep at night, you know? So to think that maybe somebody bigger, some elites have had a sinister plan and that they, this is how they feel they can handle people. Like, like that, is that, is there that kind of evil in this world? I mean, I think there might be. I really do. And I don't think I was ever really awake to that before this, although, although probably there's some stuff, but it feels, I don't know why life feels more and more bleak um, as a human on this earth, the more we find out with what we're able to find out with technology. But anyways, that's my two cents about Maui. Um, it's tragic. And I'm really, really sad about it. Um, I think I'm gonna, well, I can just tell you really quick. I went to Foreigner. I tried to get a date to go with me. I asked two, let's see, uh, I don't know. I asked like two or three people, one that I've kind of dated in the past. He couldn't, um, but he was really nice about it. And then I just straight up asked two guys on Bumble that I matched with. I said, I'm going to be just like, just throwing this out there. I have an extra ticket to foreigner on my birthday. Well, I didn't say it was my birthday. I didn't want to put too much pressure, but I have an extra ticket ticket. You know, would you want to go? Um, these were two guys that looked like they would be cool enough to hang out with at a foreigner concert, even if you know, I wasn't into them or whatever. They couldn't go for whatever reason, but thank you so much for asking. I'm totally flattered. You know, let's hang out another time kind of thing. Um, I ended up bringing my daughter, which was really fun. Ryan got uh, somebody to cover her shift and she went with her mommy and we set up, sat up at the very top of the grass. And of course, right when the show starts, I'm, we were kind of sitting on a you know, on a blanket. And I'm, I don't know, I was like sitting forward, you know, with my, I don't know, just sitting forward. And I guess I, I don't know if I get excited or something. This has happened at another concert. I remember this exact same thing happening. I got a pain in my chest. This is something I get because I have pectus excavatum where my chest dips in and it cramped up. It feels like a cramp in my ribs. It feels like I've got a cramp in between my ribs. And every time I breathe in it, freaking hurts. It's like sharp chest pain. And you can only take like a small little breath in and you have to like, I had to like get up and rotate my shoulders. I'm like trying to stretch myself out. I'm like trying to get into the music, but I'm like, I keep having this sharp goddamn pain. And, um, it lasted for like a good, I don't know, half an hour. Like not where I'm like needing to go to the hospital. I'm aware of what's happening. I know I'm not having a heart attack and I can kind of get in positions where it's more comfortable. But when I go into like specific positions, like I just arch my shoulders a little bit forward if I'm sitting on the ground and like wrapping like my arms around my knees, then it's really painful and it hurt every time I took a breath in. So I had to take off what had happened as I think as I had a bra on that I'd had on for a couple days in a row that I just didn't take off. Um, and it's like the elasticity of the, it's like a jog bra kind of, it, it's tight around my body. And I think it kind of like put additional, I don't know, pressure on my, my body cavity. I don't know any other way to say it. Um, but I do have this pectus excavator where my chest is dipped in on one side and my rib cage basically goes in and, um, it affects my, 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 I don't know, my lungs, my ribs, I don't know, it's something in there, it fucking hurts though. And so I finally just slid my arms out of my bra and then I stepped, I stood up and I went to step out of this jog bra and I took one foot out and I had had, Ryan and I had shared this like, I don't know, one of those drinks that's about this big, yay big, it's like a size of like two beers or whatever, but it has vodka in it. But I didn't feel tipsy or anything, but <laughs> it had gotten darker at this point. But I had stepped out of one foot out and I went to go, I just lost my balance. I just went 
timber and I fell right over Ryan's legs and I felt I like I was literally like laying across her legs like with my legs bent over her legs I was laughing so hard like it's like it all happened in a dream all of a sudden I was on the ground and I was cracking up it was hysterical but anyways got out of the bra and then I just like took some deep breaths I kind of stood up did some like shoulder rotations and I got the cramp to go away finally so I was able to enjoy um cold as ice and um feels like the first time those were two songs I really 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 wanted to hear and this lead singer is like the third lead singer of Foreigner over the last you know I don't know fucking 90 years and so he was amazing his voice is so pure and he sounds I mean he even said something about AI and by the way this is not AI this is me this is my real voice we are true performers like I know things change today and there's like fake shit out there but I want you all to know that are here tonight and it was packed like this is me I really do sing and you know I mean he didn't say it like that but it, you know he just wanted everybody to know like this is good old rock and roll and he's not there's nothing fake about it and um yeah he was awesome and so um yeah, we left early. Uh, I didn't get to hear Hot Blooded and I did not get to hear I Want to Know What Love Is. I don't really care about that song. I, I mean, it's like, it's okay. Probably would have been great to hear it live. Hot Blooded, I don't really care. Um, so I heard the songs I really wanted to hear, plus a ton of other ones because they have so many hits. And um, we squeaked out of there at 10.35, 10.40. I think that it probably ended around 11. And thank God, damn God, because it takes forever to get out of the Shoreline Amphitheater parking lot if you leave with the crowd. Like, I would have been delayed easily another hour and a half, and I probably wouldn't have gotten home until after one in the morning. I got home at 11.20, which was a relief because I was having a little anxiety about that whole situation. And so I got home in time, and that was great. Um, yeah. So Foreigner was great. It was the um, farewell tour. How sad. Like, this is it? They're just going to retire after this? Like, I hope not. I hope they come back. Can't imagine, like, being a performer for, like, a long, long, long time and then saying, this is it. I'm, you know, going to wrap it up, take a dirt nap after this. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this guy Kelly or something Kelly was his name. Um, he looked a little bit like Steven Tyler from a distance and, uh, yeah, he's not the guy that sang, I want to know what love is from the video. That was Lou Graham. And apparently Lou retired like in, I don't know, I looked it up like 2003, 2005 for health issues or something. Um, and then they found this guy who filled in quite perfectly and sounds just like the original cold as ice or no, feels like the first time. Cause they said that was released in 77, um, and I just love that song. I've heard Train do that, or the lead singer of Train. I heard him sing that live at a county fair <laughs> when he left Train for a little bit. Um, I did see him sing live, and he, he sang that, and it was so good. Feels like the first time. Feels like the very first time. And then that guitar rip, that whole thing. Oh my God. It's so different. Like you can hear that song in your car or the radio and yeah, it's good. But when you hear that guitar actually playing that part of the song live, it's kind of like, it sort of changes you. It makes you like, I don't know. It like brings you right back to like the seventies and that time. And it's like, wow, this is a goddamn classic hit that you're hearing live right now. It's amazing. As you know, how I feel about that. Um, oh, and one last thing. I went to Firestone, like Firestone Tires. I highly recommend the one in Watsonville to never go to them. Never, ever. If you live in this area, they are crooks. They um, are shady as fuck. I went there. I had my brakes done. And I had a tire replaced because they said, I'm showing my air quotes, they said that the tire could not be patched because the hole was on the side or whatever. So they had to replace the tire. I have that tire, that tire was under warranty, but I still had to pay $50, $50 to have them replace it. <laughs> the work to have the tire replaced. A machine literally takes the old tire off and puts the new tire on whatever. So I had to pay $50 for that. I had a free alignment. So I did the alignment and did the brakes. I walked out of there with just over a thousand dollars worth of work done. But when I drive away, I hear what sounds like a snow tire on my car. So I'm like, that's funny. That sounds like a snow tire. Um, and 
so I'm like, I decide to look at the tire. Maybe there's a little rock in it. And it's making that noise. There's some little rubber pieces that stick out because it's a brand new tire. Maybe in the wind, it's making an extra noise. Pull all the little rubber pieces off. Doesn't fix it. So after three weeks of this, I can't stand it anymore. I need to you know, find out what it is. So they say, I can bring it in and they'll evaluate it. And I said, well, do I have to pay for that? Like this started when I left, like the immediately. And it gets louder as I go faster and it quiets down as I go slower. So they say, well, we don't know until you come in. We'll have to have it evaluated or whatever. We'll have to look it over. So I bring it in this weekend. I leave, I go to the gym because my gym's like two blocks away. And I, by the way, I, re I reiter reiterate, I tell them everything that has happened since I've left. It makes this noise. This happened when I left. And he says, well, we won't know until we diagnose it. But, you know, your car um, has a lot of miles. You know, it's like it's an older car. It's a 2016. So there's a lot of wear and tear is what he says to me. I said, oh, goddamn, no way. He's already leaning that way because they're going to make it look like it's a brand new problem. So I go to the gym. I finally get a phone call from them about two and a half hours later. And all I hear is the guy say something like, your car's ready. And I say, oh, okay, so it's fixed. And he goes, yeah. I said, okay, I'll I'll be right over. I thought, oh, they fixed it. Perfect. So I come over there. And I, when I came in and dropped it off, they already knew they were dealing with somebody who was sus like not suspicious, but I was already intense about what was going on. Like, don't come back and tell me this is a new problem because this started happening the second I left here and it never made that noise before. So I walk in and the guy says, okay, so I went over the recommendation with you over the phone. I said, no. And he said, yeah, I, I just, I called you and told you, I said, no, somebody just called me and told me the car was ready and that it was fixed. He said, I just talked to you. I said, yeah, but nobody explained anything to me. So there was that. He says, okay, so we're recommending you need to have your bearings replaced. And it's in the same wheel well that that tire was replaced. How ironic. And he said, and you know, if you're going to do one, you might as well do both sides. So this is both in the back, apparently. So $500 to fix the one that they're saying where the noise is coming from. And then, oh, they give me a $40 discount if I do both sides in the back. So $964. And then you know what they do on the, the like recommended invoice? They add up the $500 to the $963 and make it look like the new total is $1,400. It's like, do you even get what you guys did? Did you like literally added the single to the double where it's like it should be one or the other. You don't add those two up, dummies. So anyways, that's beside the point. They also changed my oil. And I said, I didn't ask for an oil change. And they're like, they seem so confused. They're like, and then one guy's like telling the other guy, like, yeah, wave that, wave that. Because like, I'm about to lose my effing shit. So I said, so you're telling me this is a brand new problem. And this wasn't there when I came in, you know, like I've said this like a thousand times. And they said, well, you know, there's a lot of wear and tear on your car. And, you know, it's probably about time that that needs. So they're giving me their bullshit reason. I said, I will take it to my mechanic and I will not be coming back. I'm not having any work done. I want my keys. So I take my car. I talk about this on my Instagram story. I say, if any of you are mechanics, can you please tell me what the F is going on? And is this... A, this does this amount sound right? First of all, everybody says that's an absolute ripoff what they would charge. Secondly, I asked somebody who knew because I about three guys reached out to me who are mechanics, but none of them live in this area. They're all like on the East Coast. But anyways, they said, basically, um, I said, is there anything that they could have done to fuck up my bearings to make them sound like this? And they said, absolutely, they could have just rubbed them in dirt to make them sound like that. So I had um, a text come through from Firestone yesterday wanting um, them to, uh, you know, obviously it's a, it's a, uh, what do you call it? It's like a company um, text that comes to you after you have service done at Firestone. It wasn't from this local office or whatever, local shop. So I get to do the survey and I wrote a scathing, scathing review of what was done. I even said they're shady as fuck. And then they asked if I would like to be contacted by Firestone. And I said, yes. And, but not by a phone call from them at that office. I want Firestone, like somebody from another Firestone, like higher management to write to me via email. And then we'll go from there. I do not, and we'll see if anything even happens. It probably won't, but it is so annoying. My car sounds like it has snow tires. 
So if you know what that sounds like, when you drive on the freeway, it's like, you know, like when trucks go by that have all the knobbies on their tires and it makes that noise. That's what my car sounds like all the time now. And it's only because there's something in the bearings that is being affected now and it makes this noise and it is I mean, I get in my car every day and I hear it and I want to pull my hair out. And I know that it's because this Firestone in Watsonville is shady and they fucked with my car. And I'll bet you anything that day when I went to the gym and they quote unquote looked at it, they probably didn't even pull my car into their shop. They probably just wrote up that recommendation because they knew I wasn't there watching. You know, I just can't stand mechanics. I can't stand it. Um, So... Anyways, I wish I knew how to fix cars. I really do. If I come back in another life, I'm going to learn how to be uh, a female mechanic and never have anybody else touch my car again because they did this. They did it for sure. Mechanics are shady. Okay, guys, um, I'm going to end this one here. I did not mean to go on for a whole hour. Hopefully you guys will listen regardless. Um, And anyways, I hope you guys are all well. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Bye-bye for now. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.